We're just going to go ahead and we're going to jump into our lesson, which is um, we're going to pick up where we were last week talking about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but it was talking about how we need to cooperate with the word. When the Lord gives us a word, then it's not for us to just be like, yay, it's going to come to pass. We have a responsibility to, um, to cooperate with that word, to, to do what God tells us to do so that we can walk that word out to manifestation. You know, we are the dominion task force. And whether we have an active assignment or not, which we do, you know, we're interceding for the body, but whether we have an active assignment or not, we are still the dominion task force. And so all the teachings that come forth through this platform, through this Bible study, it's going to come through the lens of equipping, equipping us and strengthening us to walk in our authority and to take that dominion that God has given us. And we cannot do that apart from his word. We cannot do that without submitting to his authority because we can't be an authority if we don't first submit to authority. And it's his authority that we are submitting to. Amen? I'll say it. Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs> All right. And Amen. So, thank you. Praise God. And so um, last week, we ended up talking about the Apostle Paul and how he came to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it, it was not out of love and adoration for him. It was coming, I'll say face-to-face, -face, but it was coming face-to-face -face with someone that he knew was bigger than him, was more powerful than him, and the presence was just so strong that it, it seems like Paul had no choice. It was like his the way the scripture is written, the way I've always perceived it, 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 it was just reflex. Lord, who are you? And that is when Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one that you were persecuting. And we know that in Romans 10, 9, it's the same Paul. He was Saul then, but it's Paul who wrote that um, if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, confess that he is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When we confess him as Lord, um, we shall be saved. That means that the salvation comes when you submit to the Lordship. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who's going to teach us how to access that salvation, how to walk in that salvation, how to operate that salvation, and even how to impart that salvation to others through the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, for others who Receive Jesus as Savior. Yay, Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to heaven now. I'm not going to hell. Um, lots of times, that's where it ends for them. They have all the salvation available to them. The prosperity, the provision, the divine health, the um, peace and the joy. They have all of that available to them. But because they don't submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they don't learn how to access it, how to walk in it properly, and how to, how to live in it and enjoy it. And then that results in 
you know, well, sometimes God answers my prayers, sometimes he doesn't. It, it results in living from faith to defeat, the faith to defeat, instead of faith to faith to faith and glory to glory to glory. It results in continuing to struggle with sin, continuing to struggle with sickness and lack and debt and all of these other things. So it's the Lordship of Jesus Christ and it's, it's confessing Jesus as Lord and submitting to his Lordship um, that gives us access to the salvation and the, the know-how, how to operate in the salvation. And the thing is, this is what the Lord has really been pointing out lately, you know, inherent in, in making Jesus Lord, when you are saying, Jesus, I make you my Lord, you are saying, Jesus, I will obey you. Jesus, I will listen to you and I will do what you say. That is what it means to make him Lord. As I keep saying, Luke 6, 46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So when we are making Jesus Lord, that means the thing that comes with it, right? It's an inclusive package. The, the assumption is, the expectation is that I'm going to do what he says. So everybody who said, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And when we make Jesus Lord, there comes that place when we recognize his authority. What he says goes. What he says is right. Paul came to this immediately. He didn't come to, oh, you know, we know Paul... To, to know Jesus and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection and account things, um, all things but loss for the excellency of knowing Christ. That came with his walk. But it started out, and hear me when I say, it started out with a fear of the Lord. It started out with an awe and in reverence of him, of, of the Lord, of Jesus, that caused Paul to, or that caused Saul to change directions. It caused Saul to change his mind. It caused Saul to repent. And we talked about it, that repentance is turning from one way and going the opposite way, going 180 degrees in the opposite way. He turned from his way of what he thought was, was upholding the law to God's way. He went from persecuting Christians to becoming a follower of Christ. That is repentance. And so it started with the fear of the Lord. And as he continued to grow in the fear of the Lord, he continued to grow in relationship with Jesus. And that's how he was able to say, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to commit, to keep that which I have committed unto him. That it came through relationship, but relationship did not come before the fear of the Lord, not in Saul's situation. So um, we're going to start there. Um, the fear of the Lord. Let me ask you, what is the fear of the Lord? How would you define the fear of the Lord? Um... I'll answer, I'll give what I think. Um, the God is so awesome. 
so powerful that it's scary. Um, and there is a, an awe that is inspired by his, his being, his, his way of doing things, his way of um, saving us. And at least for me, the, when you feel the power of his truth, it kind of makes you shake. Mm. Okay. That's it. Well, this is, this, this is Deborah. My, my understanding of the fear of the Lord is a, a deep reverence of the fact that he is the almighty God, but it's also a mixture that from that reverence, a love for him that produces uh, allegiance and devotion and the highest regard and value for, for what he says he values. Okay. Anybody else? My, I, it's aligning with what was said to both saying the, uh, the fear of the Lord is just, it's that, that deep love that's so unconditional that you see past anything that's ever done, but it's like, okay, God, you know, he says, don't do this in the word, don't do that, but do this, do that disobedience because as I referenced, told my daughter once, once I realized with the authority, authority through the word, but also knowing my walk, that when you start knowing what, that you can help somebody else and nobody may not know what you're doing for, you know, in behind the prayer, or in, but when you know, I said, I would never want to give up what God has shown me, so, you know, as he's taken me and developed me. I never want to go back. It's a sacrifice of, I don't want to be out of his line. I don't want to be out of his will. I want to be where he wants me to be. So that's where if I have to make choices or anybody, you know, it's like that reverential fear that it's not a fear, it's a love that I just got to do your will. It's just that passion, that, that deepness is just, I just got to do your will. It's a, because it, it just feels like you out of, if you, if a, me, if I step out and don't do his will, I, it's not a punishment, but so you, there are, there are things that I'm not lining up what he wants to do. And it's, and, it, and sometimes you can see consequences or uh, something slowing down in your life. So that's where it's like, I don't be afraid of me, but just obey me and sacrifice when you need to sacrifice. So I, I know it's pretty big and broad, but. <laughs> but. All, right. All right, Michelle, would you like to chime in? Chime in? 
Um, for me, it's, it's, it's a respect for God. Um, he's in charge, yes, but I guess he's like a, a loving principle, a loving king. So, like, don't take his love for granted. You have to still be obedient to him and, you know, follow his will. Amen. Okay. Well, I can, thank you. I can identify with each one of you. When I think about Lynn's example, he's so awesome, so powerful that it's scary. And there's an awe that's inspired by his way of doing things. Um, I will give you a very natural example of when I felt this. And <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> But growing up, you know, Kenneth Copeland was somebody I always saw on television. And it's like he never aged. He was just always, like my whole life, he's just always been on television. And never, ever did I imagine that I would be associated with his ministry and, or, or even, you know, in touch with it because he was just, and I'm going to be honest, um, coming from my background, he was just this white preacher on television. That's it. And so then, you know, God did a work in my life. and. 2011 and introduced me to Kenneth Copeland Ministries, introduced me to the word of faith, introduced me to this life that I now live. Hallelujah. And I became a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries and I wanted to, I for some reason I was writing the address on the envelope to send to them. And something was missing. I just, it said Kenneth Copeland Ministries, Fort Worth, Texas, and a zip code. And I was like, but wait a minute, there's a line missing. Where's the street? Where's the, you know? And so I called and they said, nope, that's the address. And I was like, oh my gosh, this man has his own zip code. That scared me. That was so big, so awesome, so powerful that it scared me. I had never met anybody who had their own zip code before. And that was bigger than anything I could think. And it was that kind of awesome, powerful, and scary. And I wasn't scared of Brother Copeland, but that was like, that was like really big. That was like really big. And, and that's the kind of awe I had for Brother Copeland in the beginning, because I had just never seen that before. So I can identify with that description that Shalom gave. And then um, you all are talking about a deep reverence for the fact that he's the almighty God, a deep love that's so unconditional. And, and it's just the fear that's not a fear. It's a love that says, I just have to do your will. And um, a respect for God. He's a loving God and a loving king. All of that, all of that. And I remember, I remember, praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I was cleaning my bedroom one day. And in the middle of cleaning my bedroom, the Lord called to me and he just wanted me to kneel down beside my bed. And so I did. And I was just there. I wasn't necessarily praying, but I was in the praying posture. And I felt him put a crown on my head. And that crown, he says, this is the fear of the Lord. He gave me the fear of the Lord as a gift is how I perceived it now, but even now as I'm talking, I hear the scripture, you know, um, the year is crowned with 
goodness, and I hear crowned with loving kindness. He crowned me with the fear of the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I look forward to continued revelation on that. Thank you. But he crowned me with the fear of the Lord. He gave me a fear of the Lord. Oh, I'm having a personal moment. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So um, from that moment, he gave me a scripture in Ecclesiastes, and I don't recall it right now, but it was like, God, you are God. I am not. So I'll let my words be few. In other words, you're God. You know everything. So I will let my words be few. I, 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 I've been listening to a series by um, Keith Moore, and he's talking about honor. And one of the ways that he said to honor someone, especially your elder or father in the faith or somebody like that, is you talk about what they want to talk about. And you don't interrupt them. When they start talking, you don't talk. You let your words be few. You honor them by letting them speak, by letting them impart. And if you want to have a conversation with them, don't just start talking about what you want to talk about. You find out what they want to talk about. And when they start talking, you talk about that. And so that scripture God gave me in Ecclesiastes, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but this was my understanding of it. You are God. I am not. I will let my words be few. And then what grew out of that was when I hear you speak, I'll say what you say. But I'm not going to impose my ideas on top of yours. I'm not going to go with my idea. I, it, was a, it was a manifestation of the fear of the Lord in my life. Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you for bringing that back to me. Wow. Okay. So what we're going to do for the remainder of, of the lesson, we're just going to go, and there are going to be several scriptures tonight. So get ready. All, most of them are going to come out of the King James, unless you have another version. But um, there's only one in particular where I want amplified. So that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so what we're going to do, is we're going to let the Bible define itself. We're going to let the Bible define itself. What is the fear of the Lord? Um, so let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And when somebody gets it, let's turn to it. And there are several scriptures to get through, so uh, we'll stop when time is up. But, um, but I'd like to get through as many as we can. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but holds despise wisdom and instructions. Amen. Amen. Um, right there. I'm going to read it one more time, Michelle, because your voice was a little bit low, um, but I'll just read it for the clarity of the video. Thank you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word there that I want us to pay attention to is knowledge. If you have pen and paper, this is a great time to take notes. That word knowledge in the Hebrew, the definition says, in the highest sense, it is the knowledge of God including obedience. It is the knowledge of God, including obedience. So if I go back and read that scripture with that, de uh, that definition, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge of God. If we want to know him, then we need to have a fear of the Lord. All right, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward and forward move do I hate. Amen. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. The key word in this scripture is evil. In this scripture, the word evil, it means evil. It means distress. It means misery. It means injury. And it means calamity. Again, evil, distress, misery, injury, and calamity. So that sounds like the curse to me. That sounds like everything Jesus did not come for us to have. And so if we read that scripture now, Proverbs 8.13, with that definition, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, distress, misery, injury, and calamity. Pride and arrogancy and every way that leads to evil, distress, misery, injury, and calamity, and the forward mouth do I hate. This is emphasizing the heart of Father God for us. This is emphasizing the, his heart for us that he doesn't desire for us to experience anything apart from his goodness. The fear of the Lord is, and when we see that word is like that, it's equal to, the fear of the Lord is equal to hating anything that God does not have for us. Hmm. There was a time, and, and I have to admit some, you know, I just, I enjoy sleeping. I enjoy nap time. I enjoy that. Um, and before I knew better, when I would get sick, I was like, oh, this is such a good time to be sick because my body just wants to sleep and I'll just lay here and let it do what it does and I'll just relax. I had no resistance to the cold or the flu or, or whatever it was because despite the pain and the discomfort, there was that time of just being still. And I, I didn't invite it, but I didn't resist it. I was not operating in the fear of the Lord. I was tolerating and even accepting and even uh, was that nurturing something that God never meant for me. All right, let's turn to Job chapter 28, verse 28. Job is the book right before Psalms. Job 28, verse 28. And unto man, he said, behold, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, and, and let me start, start over, and to man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. All right, so there are two key words in this scripture, and these words are wisdom 
and understanding. And all of these definitions that I'm giving you are coming from the Hebrew. So that word wisdom, its fundamental principle is to fear God. It's almost like saying wisdom is defined by fearing God. Its fundamental principle is to fear God. The other word, understanding, it's the faculty. It's an ability for a particular kind of action. Understanding, it's the faculty. It's an ability for a particular kind of action. And I want to take us back to one of our core scriptures for um, interceding for the body. First John chapter five. And we will look at, um, we'll look at verse 20 in the King James Version. We're talking about understanding, which is the faculty and ability for a particular kind of action. So let's see what this scripture says about understanding. First John chapter five, verse 20, King James. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true. Even the Son, even his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Thank you. So the Son of God is come, and he has given us what? Life. The faculty and the ability. Yes, now, and in this scripture, what? The faculty and the ability to do what? Understand. Understand. Understanding. Understand is the faculty and the ability. Understanding is the faculty and the ability. So if we use that definition in this scripture, it says, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us a faculty and an ability to do what? To know him. To know him him that is true. And even his son, Jesus Christ. To know him. So here, um, and if we go back to the definition we just looked at, the word knowledge in Proverbs 1-7, knowledge is talking about the knowledge of God. You see how all of this is going together? So let me go back to Job 28, 28 real quick. And unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil, distress, calamity, injury, everything God did not intend for us. To depart from everything God did not intend for us, for, yeah, for us, that is understanding. So if I were to say it another way, just summarizing the scripture, I would say, when you fear the Lord, you are demonstrating wisdom. When you depart from evil, when you depart from everything the Lord never intended for it, for you, 
You are demonstrating understanding. You are demonstrating the faculty and the ability to know him. And I just keep hearing this in my now. The fear of the Lord, this is another protection that's in place. When we have the fear of the Lord, yes. Could I say something in the way that I'm hearing what you're saying and applying it? Yes, yes, you may. Um, in the beginning, when I said that, you know, everything that was going on around this politics and all is all this is all a deception. And so that's a way of taking myself out of the worldly stuff and focus on God and what he's saying or doing, or if I can't see it, just to know that he is doing something is that would be wisdom and understanding? Wisdom. I'm trying to, I'm sorry, I was trying to follow you. So when you are not paying attention to all the stuff that's a distraction, then I would say that is understanding. That is departing from the evil way. That is departing from, uh, the, what do you call it, in um, 2 Corinthians 10 every high thought, those high thoughts, those high thoughts that come from the culture or that come from the, uh, Lord, help me with my words tonight. But anyway, every high thought, all those things that don't come from God, yes. And because those thoughts, and the, they're bringing feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of despair, feelings of injury, calamity, all these things that God did not intend for us. So to, to depart from them, to no longer give your attention to them, I would say yes, that is understanding because it's departing from evil. And it's wisdom that shows me to do that? It's Yes, it's wisdom that shows you to do that. And when you, when you demonstrate wisdom by doing that, you are operating in the fear of the Lord. Okay. Okay. Um, this is Deborah. Can I ask something based on what you just said? Yes. So are you saying the fear of the Lord is two parts? Yes. Yes. And as it, when so you until we're doing Go ahead. So until we're doing two that two parts, both the knowing what to do and the actual putting in the practice of what we know, we're not actually fearing the Lord until we complete that, that two-part thing. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Um, turn to, keep your finger in Job. Well, I think we're done. But anyway, go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're very familiar with verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But let's look at verse seven now. Proverbs chapter three, verse seven. Lord Jesus, this is good. 
Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Be not wise in thine own eyes. We're going to finish talking about wisdom in a second, but wisdom is the fundamental principle to the fear of God. It is like the characteristic of the fear of God. And so when you're operating in your own wisdom, right, when it just said in verse 5, lean not to thine own understanding. We in and of ourselves don't have the, the wisdom of God. It's the carnal wisdom, even devilish wisdom. James talks about the different kinds of wisdom. Okay, so be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't operate in your own wisdom. Fear the Lord. What we're talking about, having, when you say fear the Lord, you can, you can, it's almost like you can substitute the word wisdom because it's like I said, when you fear the Lord, you are demonstrating wisdom. You cannot operate in the fear of the Lord without demonstrating the wisdom of God. So that's be not wise in thine own eyes, okay? Now here's the two part, Deborah. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Operate in the wisdom of God. Depart from everything that's not for us. And, and you know, ultimately we're going to this place called obedience. And this is like real tight right here. And I'm, you know, the Lord's ministering to me about my food and praise the Lord. I'm, I, you know, praise the Lord. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. God is blessing. Um, do I get it right every single time? No, but have I, I'm going to be like um, Andrew Womack. I haven't arrived, but I've left. Praise the Lord. So fear the Lord and depart from evil. He does not desire for me to have health issues in my body. And for me not to have health issues in my body, then I need to do what he says concerning my sugar intake. So if I'm operating in the wisdom of God, if I'm operating in the fear of the Lord, that's good. I can eat my vegetables. I can exercise. I can do this and I can do that. But if I'm still partaking of that sugar that is killing me, I have not departed for, oh God, yes. I've not departed from that thing that will bring calamity and injury and distress and everything that he did not plan for me. What I just heard the Lord say is we don't have room to compromise. We don't have room to compromise. And this is where the fear of the Lord comes in, where we're talking about the knowledge. Um, Proverbs 1, 7, you know, the knowledge, getting to know him, including obedience, because when we get to know his heart for us, when we have the faculty and the um, ability to know God and how he loves us and how he cares for us, that's how we develop a love for him. We love him because he first loved us. And when we reach that place, it's like, how can I not serve you? I've got to serve you. Because we're learning his heart for us. And how he wants to keep us away from these evil things. And so it takes us out of that performance mentality where 
do good, get good, do bad, get bad. It takes us out of that place of condemnation where, oh, I'm just so down on myself because I, I disobeyed. It's good to be godly sorry in that, Lord, I, I, I'm so sorry that I disappointed you. I'm so sorry. But even more, you realize that, you know, he's not angry at you, pointing his finger at you, saying, get out of my face. It's, you feel that because you know that you forfeited God's best for you in that situation. And you don't want to disappoint his love for you. Thank you. Oh, not Oh, yes. Go. Um, like um, this uh, scripture. I'm sure you probably have it too. But it's um Psalms 111:10. That is actually where we're going next. Oh, okay. That is, <laughs> that is where we are going next, and it is my all-time favorite. I say it every day. Yeah, every day. Speak it every day. <laughs> then we'll let you read it. <laughs> the fear so, of the oh, it's Psalms 11, 10. Yep. I'm reading out the King James. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that have all that do this, do his commandments. His praise and do it forever. I focus on the first sentence, the first line. So as I said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I always ask. Yes. And so we're going to continue with that. So the entire verse says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding for all his praise ever. that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. How can it not? When we come to that place of awe and reverence of him, his praise endured forever. Glory to God. And so the key word in this scripture is beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we already know that wisdom, the fundamental principle of wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. So it's like wisdom cannot operate without the fear of the Lord. Well, now the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word beginning, it means it's the absolute chief thing. The fear of the Lord is the absolute chief thing of wisdom. If you were to take the fear of the Lord out of wisdom, it would no longer be wisdom. We're on Psalm 111. Psalm 111, verse 10. Verse what? 10. I have one of those quilts from Marilyn Hickey, and it has, I have the wisdom quilt. Ah. And so that's one of the scriptures I see every morning as I speak. (laughs) I speak it. Praise God. And so the fear of the Lord is the absolute chief thing of wisdom. A good understanding, a good faculty and ability have all they that do his commandments. Ability to what? Ability to know him. I have a question. Yeah. 
did I just understand when you were saying the, the, the last thing you said before you were about to say what you're saying, am I understanding you to say that the fear, the wisdom contains the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord initiates wisdom or it, it puts it into motion? Um, I, that's not what I said. That may be what you've gotten by revelation. That is not what I said. Um, I said, the fear of the Lord is the absolute chief thing of wisdom. The thing that wisdom holds highest, the thing that, I guess so, the thing that makes wisdom operate, the thing that makes wisdom what it is, is the fear of the Lord. If wisdom did not include the fear of the Lord, it wouldn't be wisdom. Think about it if you are looking at the ingredients on a food item. You know how they list the ingredients based on the, the order of how much is in there. What the, the most prominent ingredient comes first, the least prominent comes last. And then think about those commercials that are, that are um, boasting that they're all natural so they don't have all these words you don't understand. You know, and so think of the fear of the Lord as, or think of wisdom as that, and its ingredient, its primary ingredient is the fear of the Lord. Ah. Wisdom would not be wisdom without the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is a walking out of that wisdom. Ah. Everybody clear? I'm clear. I'm clearer than I've been before. <laughs> okay. And so we've got um, one more scripture where we are defined, or we are letting the Bible define itself. What is the fear of the Lord? Let's turn to Psalm 1427. And I would like this one out of the Amplified. What is it again? Psalms 1427. Okay. Out of the Amplified. I don't even think there is a 1427. What is this? <laughs> Lord Jesus, wait, I have it. I'm going to have to get my journal because I wrote it down wrong. Uh, give me a moment. Oh, praise the Lord. The journal's right here. That's too funny. I thought it looked funny when I wrote it. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. Proverbs 1427. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Proverbs 1427, Amplified. I'll read it. Okay, um, reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Amen. And so we've got two key words in the scripture. And the words are fountain and life. Reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid, hallelujah, 
the snares of death. That word fountain means source. So I'll read it again. Reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the source of life, that one may avoid the snares of death. And then that word life, not only does it mean life, but it means sustenance. Oh my goodness. That's like keeping power, isn't it? Reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Is a, excuse me, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the source of life and sustenance that one may avoid the snares of death. Glory to God. I'm serious. I just keep hearing his protection, his protection, his protection. Because I'm telling you, with everything that's coming down the pike, where our nation is concerned, you know, the it's in Proverbs 18, I want to say 18, 14, but it's in, it's in Proverbs 14. Are we there? Oh, we're there. Well, how about we just look? Uh, oh, 18, not 14. 18. 14. Yeah, 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. And the, the, the name of the Lord is a strong God. The righteous. Who are the righteous? Those who do things the way God says. They do what God says and they do it the way he says it. We run into that tower of his name. Glory to God. And we are safe. When he's talking to us about sanctification, he's, he's, he's showing us his safety. When he's talking to us about loving the truth, He's showing us his safety. When he's talking to us about the fear of the Lord, he's showing us his safety. And if we take heed to these things and we apply these things to our lives, we will experience his safety no matter what kind of chaos happens in this earthly realm. Catherine. Yes. There is also a great scripture that goes along with what you just said. Yes. It's in Psalm 2514 in the Amplified Translation. Yes, one of my favorites. Give me a minute to get there, and I'll ask you to read it for us, please. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, reverence, and worship him. And he will show them his covenant and reveal to them the deep inner meaning. Amen. What Amen. verse is that? Psalm 25, 14 in the Amplified Translation and in the King James, it just says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. That is one of my absolute favorites. I'm like, oh, I just fell in love, in love with Jesus again. Ooh. Amen. Amen. And so with that, let's go back to, um, what was the scripture? Psalm 111.10. I want to read that out of the Amplified um, because this is what I was going to say before we got off in that other discussion. So this is a perfect segue. Um, 
Psalm 111.10. Are we, are we ready? Uh, Let me know and I'll read it. I'm going to read the whole thing, but the part I'm going to focus on is the part that talks about a good understanding. But check it out, talking about how wisdom and the fear of the Lord go together. Um, Psalm 111, verse 10 in the Amplified Classic. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill, the preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite and the alphabet. So that's how intertwined the fear of the Lord and wisdom are. But here we go. It says, a good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord. That's the part I want to focus on. So that doing part, that's our obedience part. But it says a good understanding. That's the faculty and the ability. And we're going to say to understand him, because we talked about Proverbs 1-7, we're talking about the knowledge of the Lord. Um, a good faculty and, and ability to understand him. We have that, but we also have wisdom and meaning. And so with the scripture that Deborah just read, Psalm 25, 14 in the Amplified Classic, I turned away from it. Let me go back. And meaning. You know, Jesus said, this is life, in Psalm 17, Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the one true God, and um, your son whom you have sent. And he said that because what Jesus, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus defined everlasting life as knowing the one true God. When we get to know the one true God and we get to know Jesus, guess what? We also get to know ourselves. We get to know who God created us to be. We get to know how God feels about us. We get to know the empowerment that we have because of who we are. So um, now in Psalm 111, where it's talking about a good understanding, wisdom, and meaning, we get meaning. Um, that comes in, in relationship, the knowledge of knowing him and then knowing who we are because of him and because of his love for us. And then here in Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have all they who fear him. That's talking about relationship. That's talking about intimacy. And you I said am Psalm 114. No, Psalm, it's the scripture that we did before, Psalm 111, verse 10. And then the scripture that Deborah brought up was Psalm 25, 14. Yes. Okay. okay. And so, you know, I am convinced that when we know our who, our do will follow suit. Lots of times we try to fix our do. We get in that performance base and we got to do right, do right, do right. But because there hasn't been that deep root work on the inside, because there hasn't been that metanoia, that change of mind, that repentance that has taken place, because there hasn't been that um, renewing of the mind that has taken place, then our do is superficial. But when we work on our who, we learn who and whose we are, and that comes through um, renewing our mind, 
okay? Uh, allowing the word to renew our mind, allowing the word to transform us, um, learning about the fear of the, of the Lord, operating in the fear of the Lord. Now we're getting to know him. And because we're getting to know him, we're getting to know ourselves. We're getting to know who we are. What belongs to us? What doesn't? What is characteristic of us? What isn't? And as that interchange takes place of our who, our do will follow. So um, does anybody have anything else they want to say? Yes, this is Deborah. I got one last question. It's kind of been in my heart all night. When you gave that definition of understanding being the faculty and the ability, can you give me what the distinction is between the two? Yes. Um, you know how, and I'm as I say that, I'm looking it up. <laughs> but I remember because I, I did the study myself because I had the same question. And it was one where it's like, I know I need to continue to revisit, but I will give you, I'll let this refresh my mind. And I will, okay, so I'm going to just read from dictionary.com right now. The fact, and yeah, so the faculty is an ability natural or, or acquired for a particular, um, I got it, for a particular kind of action. But here's how I think of faculty. Here's the second definition. This is how I remember. Um, one of the powers of the mind as memory or reason or speech, um, an inherent capability of the body. The faculty is the capability to do it. I have the capability, I have the capability, meaning, um, you know, it's like, I might be able to, I might be able to, um, oh, okay, so one of my favorite TV shows is Monk, and he is just this obsessive, compulsive man, his pencil has to be absolutely sharp, or else he can't write with it, that kind of thing, and he was taking a test where he had to fill in the bubbles, you know, and he knew all the answers to the test. He knew that. Um, so he had the um, ability to pass the test, but he didn't have the capability to take the test because he kept getting distracted every time he marked outside of the circle. He didn't get past number one because he kept erasing that same circle so that he could fill it in perfectly. And by then he ran down the lead on his pencil so he had to keep sharpening it. Next thing he knew, time was up and he failed the test. Not because he didn't know the answers, not because he didn't have the ability to pass it, but because he didn't have the capability to take the test because he kept getting distracted by the small details. So a faculty to do something is the capability to do something. Thank you. Okay. Did that help? Yes, okay. and, and, it, and it pauses and it, it alerts me to now the method of operation that Satan has to disable me in my abilities of God by distraction. It's attacking my capability. Yes, and that's what Shalom was talking about early tonight. earlier tonight, the distractions. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. Anybody else? Okay. 
So let me, uh, let me thank you all for bringing your supply. This has been a wonderful, wonderful study.